Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm not trying to get somebody. I'm not trying to trap somebody. It's not like I'm going to the airport to uh, get somebody coming back after he's been released from jail or something. It's not like that. It's like, I think it's positive. And so it's like, hey, why did you choose to come to Philadelphia? What are you looking forward to about uh, the new team? Stuff like that. It's not, it's not anything bad from 94 wip it's wired this way a show about the top sports personalities in philadelphia their lives their stories and their success i'm andrew porter simply put john clark is living his dream philadelphia based summer weekends down the shore and reporting on the teams he grew up rooting for clark has been a sports reporter for nbc 10 now nbc sports philadelphia for over a decade the six foot five former athlete appreciates his job and his city as much as anyone really can. First of all, good to see you. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Uh, grew up in the Delco area outside Philadelphia, so born and raised a uh, Philadelphia sports fan. Wanted to be uh, an athlete, and then once I realized I couldn't be an athlete, then you start to look into other things. And uh, I think uh, out of my childhood, I really remember. Uh, I really remember baseball the most, uh, wanting to be a baseball player, playing Little League, playing up until uh, high school and stuff. Um, so uh, just really blessed and happy to still be here in the Philly area. Now you're a big guy, I'll tell you. 6'5". Six, 6'5". Five. Six, five. So what position did you play, and did you play basketball as well, or what? what? Well, okay, so this is pretty embarrassing for okay. being 6'5 and being tall. Um, I do have something in common with Michael Jordan. We were both cut from our high school basketball team. So that's where it there ended. Yeah. But uh, no, you know what? I, I just wasn't as into it and uh, didn't make the team. Um, I was kind of tall and thin and didn't really know uh, how to uh, throw my weight around um, and be confident with it. So uh, didn't really play basketball. Played a lot of tennis, stuff like that. What position in baseball? Uh, second base. Okay. Yeah. So did you, growing up, um, did you? How did you get involved in sports? Like, who led you? Was it your father, grandfather, or was it on your own? How How did you become into sports, passionate about sports? I think it was just uh, growing up in the Philly area. Mike Schmidt was big at the time. I wanted to be like Mike Schmidt. I shook my butt when I batted like Mike Schmidt did and uh, wanted to be a professional baseball player. And then after a while, realized that that wasn't going to happen. And then basically Harry Callis was the voice of my youth, and then I started to say, well, boy, I would love to be Harry Callis. And, uh, you know, one of the great thrills is when you get to know Harry a little bit and talk to him and he says, hey, John, how are you? And that was really cool because I grew up impersonating him and I would have like a, a baseball game that I would play and I would do Harry's voice uh, announcing it and stuff like that and keep stats. So I think from from when I was young, I always had an interest in sports and also announcing sports mm -hmm. and uh i guess when you look back i don't know if it's the same thing for you you're like wow maybe i was just destined to do this this was what i was in love with 
from when I was a little kid. You go to Strathaven High School. Um, is this when like broadcasting starts to take place in your mind, or was this before? Were you into broadcasting way before that? I, well, looking back, I actually was because when I was younger, as I said, I'd play these games. I mean, I'm probably talking six, seven years old. I'd play these video games and baseball games and keep track of the stats. I was always into the stats, like, you know, 162 games and keeping track of everything. And I would I would announce the game. So I think it really started back then. Like, like to yourself. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no one was listening right, to me. Right, right. Uh, my parents were not interested. <laughs> right, right. Uh, they're like, what is this kid doing in his bedroom? Uh, and then, you know, my sister actually sent me some tapes recently, but when I was really young, five, six, seven years old, I was actually like acting like a DJ. And remember how old DJs, they would talk right up until the very second the vocals come in. Right. You know, you'd have instrumental, build it up, build it up, and then the vocals come in. And I would be like, hey, everybody, welcome to JC Radio, <laughs> blah, 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 and take you right up to the words and the vocals start. So I, I always had this in me and, and an interest in me. In high school, John fought through ADHD, a disorder that makes it difficult for a person to pay attention and control impulsive behaviors, so naturally school wasn't his strong suit. After high school, John chose Penn State Brandywine, which didn't last long and didn't go so well, but it forced John into a decision that really helped change the course of his life. Um, did you play baseball in high school or no? Uh, no, I was also cut. Okay. from my high school baseball team. <laughs> You're bringing up a lot of uh, things that so are what were bad the, memories. What were the, the four years in high school like for you? Uh, tough, okay. tough. Uh, I had ADHD, and it was really hard for me to sit still in classes. And they didn't really know, uh, like they do now, ADD. They just said, wow, he's disruptive in class. He doesn't pay attention in class. He's trying to be the class clown. It was really hard for me to concentrate and so it started to get a little rough, and I kind of got into some things outside of school, um, and I guess it kind of led me to uh, broadcasting in a way. I, I was starting to promote some wrestling shows with uh, ECW in Philadelphia and different things like that, and uh, and then I think I just it just hit me right after high school. I was sitting in an accounting class going for business management at Penn State. Delco campus, now known as Penn State Brandywine. I tried to make it sound better. Right. Um, and I was like, I just can't sit still. I can't sit here in this class. I'm going to go pursue my dream. And I transferred to Temple and then got involved in the radio station there and getting involved in the uh, the TV broadcasting there as well. So you started at Penn State uh, Brandywine now. How, yeah. how many years were you there for? I was probably there a year and a half or so. And you weren't studying broadcast journalism at that point no i wanted undergrad or whatever no i actually oh. i actually wanted to uh run casinos like in atlantic oh, city really? and be in charge of like booking acts and hotels and all this i love changing the change up of things sports is great because everything changes all the time and i loved the hotel and casino business because it's always new people everything's changing bringing in new acts but i just couldn't sit still in accounting and i was like you know what let me go pursue this at Temple. So I did. What led you to Temple? Just their program or look close to home or kind of all of the above? Bad grades. Okay. Uh, couldn't get into many other places. They okay. were the only place they would have me. But also the fact that I guess Syracuse and Temple were, to me, I, I researched and I looked at a lot of the people in our field and a lot of people came from Syracuse and Temple. And so I was like, wow, Temple is right here in Philadelphia. One of the best things is you can jump in and you can, you know, you can, 
apply or be on WRTI radio and be on the radio station there, which was on the air in Philadelphia. It wasn't just a college radio station. And the other thing is it leads to great internships. Being in Philadelphia, you can actually try to intern at places in Philadelphia instead of like out in Pocatello, Idaho or something like that, you know, right. way far out there. So it seems like that at that point, like when, when you're going from Penn State to Temple, now you're focused on broadcast journalism and like that that's what you want to do. And at this point, you lock in school-wise, or not really, or I actually like how did. did you, okay, it's a good point. How did you overcome that, or like you, you just thought like you like this, like you like this field? I don't know. Well, you know what? That's a great point. And and like I always tell uh, when you talk to classes or sports casting camps, like when you find what you love to do and you have a passion for it, you're going to be good at it because you're going to wake up every day. You want to do it. You're chasing it. And so when I was then finding. Like, okay, this is what I want to do. I was like, okay, I got to get good grades. I got to, I got to do better. Uh, I got to work harder. And so I was better at schoolwork, which I, you know, I, I don't think everybody's meant for school. I don't think right. I was. So, um, but once you're, okay, I got to graduate. I got to get decent grades at Temple. So then because I, I wanted to be in broadcasting, I, I really started to try harder and, but and was better. But you never it. received any sort of help for ADHD. It was just that field that got you passionate about it, right? Like it wasn't, they, did they, you receive anything, any other help? or? Yeah, they, they were throwing, uh, you know, pills my way, Ritalin okay. and uh, stuff like that. Okay. And then later Adderall and different things. Right. Um, but I think having ADHD helps you in the broadcasting business because a lot of things happen spur of the moment. You got to right. change up real quick. Um, but yeah, no, I mean... It, it was a great awakening for me, and it really helped my confidence to kind of find the thing that really, um, you know, gave me satisfaction and my passion, broadcasting. So what were those, you spent two years at Temple? Yeah. Um, what were those two years like, and did you love it? I, I assume it was a good two years? It was awesome, yeah. uh, because when you're working for WRTI Radio, and then um, you kind of find people who are all about the, the same thing you want to do and you, you have a, you bond with people and uh, it was really cool. Um, and your first time on the radio, uh, was really cool. Uh, I guess I found out I shouldn't be a newscaster cause I was a little too excited. I was like, a septa bus has collided with a car and two people are injured and they're sent to the hospital. And the guy's like, all right, John, you're going to have to dial back the energy on this one. This is a sad story. Okay. So I don't think I would be good for golf or serious news. I mean, you you working in sports, it's like working in the toy department, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so we kind of get kind of get used to that. So I think we both found our calling. Did you have some good mentors and people along the way at Temple that guided you, kind of, um, or or not so much? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a there was a teacher there who was in charge of Temple Update, which was the TV station. Rick Beardsley. He passed away, but man, what a great guy. He was helpful to so many of us, like Kevin Nagandi and other people who went to Temple. He was awesome. Um, and then uh, I got mentors through internships, and then a friend of mine got me in to meet Gary Papa at Channel 6, and he became my ultimate number one mentor and a friend. And he really, uh, he was really the guy that I modeled myself after. After college, you get a internship or job in Atlantic City? There was, uh, right when I was graduating, there was a job opening at NBC 40 in Atlantic City. Really, really small station down there. Don't have live truck capabilities or anything like that. You, you can only watch it when you're down the shore. Um, and when I heard there was an opening, literally the second I heard there was an opening, I drove down my demo reel, demo tape, and uh, like walked it into the news director. And they were impressed by that. Instead of just mailing it or waiting, 
you know, I, I always thought like, instead of knocking on doors, you got to bang down doors. Right. And so that really impressed the person about how passionate I was and wanting to get that job. Very cool. And then how long did you, did you stay at NBC 40 in Atlantic city? About a year. Okay. Uh, and I kept sending out demos and tapes, and then I wound up getting a job in uh, West Palm Beach, Florida, also at NBC, mm-hmm. also near a beach, which was cool. And what, what, how long were you in Florida, and what was that experience like? Uh, that was awesome. Um, First ma- time living away from home? Yeah, yeah. I, as a, I wish I had gone to Penn State, but I, I kind of went from the Delco satellite campus to Temple, and so moving to West Palm Beach was awesome. Um, I, I'm a big shore guy, so to be near a beach and an ocean is awesome. And that's probably, you know, when you have your second job, that's when you really start to feel like you can be in a major market or you can advance. And my whole goal was to get back to Philadelphia. Um, so when I was in Atlantic City and West Palm Beach, I was keeping in contact with the places where I interned and also calling and uh, emailing and harassing people at other stations in Philadelphia with tips and different things like that, trying to get back home to uh, my hometown. And how did that all unfold and how did that come about where you come back to Philly and essentially get your, I guess, dream job, you know? Yeah, it's, it's absolutely my dream job to be in my hometown. And uh, I I think it was in stages because I remember being at uh, channel 40 in Atlantic city. um, And I would try to help the TV stations in Philadelphia, like, Bob Clark was on vacation in Ocean City, and you know we were trying to get him on camera for the stations of Philadelphia. And then when I'm in West Palm Beach, I'm keeping contact with NBC Sports Philadelphia and NBC 10 and Gary Papa, and I'm saying like, hey, I can tell you when uh, Dikembe Mutombo is flying in to join the Sixers. Um, you know, you can go get him at the airport. And you're like, really? Wow. And so I, I kept in contact, sending them my my demo, uh, and then also kind of sending them some tips. So kind of working my way back to Philadelphia and forcing somebody to hire me. <laughs> um, and then, you know, you've been at NBC Philly for how long now? Uh, NBC 10 and NBC, NBC Sports yeah. Philadelphia, yeah. Uh, 18 years. 18 years, 17, wow. 18 years, yeah, it's um, crazy. You love it every day? I love it every day. I don't know what else I would do. I don't, um, it's, it's the only thing that, uh, it's the only passion that I have as far as a job. And I don't really look at it as work. I mean, I, I look at it as something that, Growing up here, I'm blessed to be able to do. So uh, I really don't know what else I would do if I, uh, if I had to go looking. Over the years, John Clark, a.k.a. Johnny Airport, has become most famous for his airport interviews. Welcome to Philadelphia. Thank you, brother. How excited are you to be here? Very much so, man. Something new. I'm here with my rook, Jay Pat. What's up, boy? Welcome, Welcome to Jay Philly, Pat. guys. Thank you. Appreciate y'all. Clark is always the first to greet a new athlete to Philadelphia and takes pride in his role. Now, Johnny Airport is what <laughs> everyone wants to talk about because like, that's become your, your thing. And I think it kind of just happened, correct me if I'm wrong, organically. Um, I don't think you set out to do this, but it's become your thing. And now like you've taken hold of it and it's pretty hilarious. Yeah, I mean, it's just something... I want to go get stuff. I like if a, if a new athlete or a new coach is coming to town, I want to hear from him just as much as everybody else does. Just see him. And uh, so I actually down in West Palm beach uh, had a couple of those situations where I did that with Serena Williams coming back from Wimbledon. Cause she lived down there and different things like that. To me, I think it's, I think it's exciting and I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to get somebody. I'm not trying to trap somebody. It's not like I'm going to the airport to uh, get somebody coming back after, 
he's been released from jail or something. It's not like that. It's like, right. I think it's positive. And so it's like, hey, why did you choose to come to Philadelphia? What are you looking forward to about uh, the new team? Stuff like that. It's not, it's not anything bad. So it's not like I'm TMZing them and putting a camera right in their face. Just ask them politely, hey, would you like to say something to the people of Philadelphia? You know, we, they're, they're really happy that you're coming to town. Uh, for the most part, people are happy uh, when people come to town. But um, it's just something that, uh, you know, I've, I've developed some sources and uh, kind of worked it. And, and uh, you know, I, I get excited by it because it's something different. And uh, I, I enjoy being one of the first people to talk to uh, new athletes coming. Yeah, it's sort of like a first look for the city, and I mean, I guess it's part of like your wiring. It's it it aligns with your march on in, you know, yeah. interview approach, right? You know, so I guess like first come first serve type of thing, and I, I I guess that has worked out for you. Yeah, I mean, look, I, this business is so tough, and as you know, there's how many people that are sending in demos or wanting to work in this field. And so you kind of, you have to separate yourself and you have to give your bosses and give the place a reason why you deserve this job. And, um, you know, Atlantic city, when I went down there, it was like, you know, knocking on the door and saying, I want this job. I, I grew up in Philadelphia. I, I went down the shore and I'm passionate about Philly sports and I'm the right guy for the job. I mean, you, you have to be confident and knock down doors and it's also people you know, because I've learned that so much by keeping in contact from my internships. If if you're an intern somewhere and you start to get to know the people there, they will remember you by your handshake, by looking them in the eye and saying, I want to be here someday. And most people will help you too. Right. So I think you have to stand out and you always have to ask for what you need too. You always got to say, I want to do this someday how can I get better at it? And, and most people will help you. Do you have like a top three most memorable airport moments or a, a one that stands out like in particular? Or does any yeah. pop to mind when I say that? I'm putting you on the spot a little no, bit. No, not at all. Uh, actually, to give a plug to him, Glenn Macnow is doing a book and he uh, had me do a top 10 uh, favorite interviews at the airport. Oh, really? <laughs> so this is good. Uh, Perfect. Yeah. I, I would say, I would say, Number one may be Cliff Lee when he, I mean, I think we all remember where we were when we heard Cliff Lee yep. was coming to the Phillies. Yeah. Remember where you were? Yep. At Penn State in the in the computer lab with my friends studying. There you go. And it was a big moment. It was huge. Yeah. Like Cliff Lee turning down, like the Yankees turning down more money. Um, and so we went to the airport. He was coming in on a private plane. And the problem is when they come in on a private plane, a lot of times they bring the car out onto the tarmac and they just, you know, whisk away the guy. But Cliff Lee had to go to the bathroom after a long flight. And so I walked into where they were and his agent was standing there. I, I introduced myself. I said, everybody's so excited here in Philadelphia. Is there a chance I could ask him a couple quick questions? And his agent was like, sure, go ahead. There was Cliff Lee and talked to him. And, you know, Cliff Lee was always kind of nonchalant about stuff. Yeah. But that was really cool. And then there was a day where we were waiting for Allen Iverson to come back for his uh, AI 2.0 when he came back under Ed Stefanski. And typical AI, uh, he missed his first couple flights. So we were at the airport for a good three, four hours. Shocking. And then what happens? Yeah. <laughs> then what happens? Okay, here comes Eric Snow. Eric Snow's walking through to come broadcast the Sixers games. Then former professional wrestler King Kong Bundy is walking through the airport. Talk with him. And then all of a sudden, my photographer and I, we see... This guy walked by and he had a larger head than normal. And we're like, 
that's Placido Polanco. And he was coming in to join the Phillies. So I was like, this is crazy. I, I was like, maybe we should just set up shop here or a radio station, you know, like you guys do. Uh, just set up shop here on busy days because, man, people are walking through the airport. I know it's not L.A., but those are pretty cool. There's There's been some really fun ones like Pedro Martinez where the police tried to get him away and he was sitting in a police car down low and we spotted him and he talked with us for like 10, 15 minutes and he was just hilarious. He was telling stories and um, – you know, those are those are fun. Um, Alshon Jeffrey, when he came in to join the Eagles, he's like, I was like, hey, how come you ultimately decided to come to the Eagles? He's like, why did I decide to come to the Eagles? Because Carson Wentz is going to be MVP someday. I'm like, wow. <laughs> you know, quote? Yeah. yeah, it was a great quote. Yeah. Um, how much did Carson Wentz have to do with uh, your decision to come here? Uh, yeah, a lot to do with my decision. He's a great quarterback. I mean, the sky's the limit for me. He's going to be a future MVP. Did you turn down better offers to come here? I got a good one, guys. Thank you. Malcolm Jenkins, our photographer, had to keep backing up. You know, it's like a cornerback. Yeah. Like we're walking. Backpedaling. Yeah. Backpedaling. Yeah. And Malcolm, really cool. He's like, hey, man, watch out for that pole. Because <laughs> literally the photographer like almost backed into the pole. So it's always fun. And look, I'm as I said, I'm not there to like entrap somebody or get somebody. There's been a few times where guys are like, no, nah, I'm just not comfortable going on camera. Right. I'm like, that's cool. I'm not. I'm not trying to harass anybody. It's friendly conversation. It's not digging deep on anything. So, um, but yeah, those are probably those are probably a couple of the memorable ones. Do you have um, favorite athletes from you know your time growing up as a sports fan and then transitioning into a member of the media? Do you have any athletes that like really you know? I, I assume it would be the same as everyone else: the Dawkinses, the Utleys, the Iversons. Anyone in particular that you really, you know, you like working with or you really enjoy the way they play or whatever? Well, I would say the guy that I would say was the most exciting athlete to watch in my time here is Allen Iverson uh, because that building was just rocking. He, he was awesome with the crowd. And when you talk about the size of him, like if you were sitting courtside, you could hear like when he was, you know, taking the ball to the rack and there's Shaq in the way he would bang into Shaq and you would hear his body hit the court and you could literally, literally hear bones hitting the court. Um, he put his body on the line every single night and to see him after, you know, with his knees all wrapped up with ice around them, um, mad respect for AI bringing it every night. Um, so number, he, he would be the most exciting athlete I've ever seen as far as like dealing with guys. I think the nicest guys I've ever covered, I would say, Jim Tomey is the nicest athlete I've ever covered. Danny Briere, Brad Lidge, um, just to name a few. Mm-hmm. But but Jim Tomey, there's just something different about him, man. I mean, he was nice to every single person he came in contact with. Um, it doesn't matter what kind of job you had, what level you were. And uh, the thing that I think that stuck out to me was when Charlie Manuel was uh, in the 2008 World Series against the Rays, and he was – playing for another team. He came back and was at Citizens Bank Park. Still a member of baseball, playing for another team. He came back to see Charlie Manuel in a World Series. Like, I think that just says so much about him. So Jim Tomey would be my number one. Um, you spend a lot of time in Sea Isle in the summers? I love the shore. Spot? Yeah, down um, the shore. Any particular spots you love in Sea Isle? Uh, All of them? The ocean? Yeah, I guess they're the, they're, there's your few popular spots. <laughs> well... My favorite place to be is the ocean. I love the ocean. I love water sports. Uh, used to go to the OD. Haven't been there in a little while. 
Uh, La Costa, good spot. Springfield, haven't been there in a while. And then we go over to Avalon a little bit. Jack's Place, good bands were there, but they tore that down. Yeah, It's like sand. It's, it's just an empty lot now. It's a shame. Princeton's a wild place. Uh, I think I saw you there once or twice. Yeah, yeah, it's a good time. <laughs> um, Princeton Whitebriar. Yeah, yeah, but there's, yeah. Noth- there's nothing like being down the shore and you drive over that bridge yep. and you smell the bay. You're like, okay, it, we're escaping and we can put down the phone. We can kind of put everything aside and then being on the beach, being in the ocean and then hearing some music, live music, summer bands. I mean, it's great. Um, siblings, big family, small family. What's I have a brother and a sister. Okay. Yeah. Um, looking back... Has there been like a moment, I always ask everyone this question, is there a moment when you look back that like it was a fork in the road for you where it could have gone one or two ways? Maybe it was that moment where you, you left Penn State to go to Temple and really, you know, put you on the right track. Or I don't, I don't know if it's, if it's that or some, some other moment where uh, everything kind of clicked. Or if, if you did this differently, you would be in a totally different spot. No, you, no you're exactly right. I mean, I can, just, I can remember sitting in that accounting class and I'm just like, I can't do this. I am not going to sit it behind a desk. Uh, I, I just, I can't do it. Maybe it's good for somebody else, but I, I kind of a little hyperactive. I need to move around. Um, so I'm, I'm sitting in that class. I'm like, I'm transferring. I'm out. I'm, I'm not going for business management. I'm going to chase my dream. It's what I want to do. If I fail doing it, if I, if I can't make it, so be it. I have no regrets. You know, it's kind of like a minor league ball player. You know, some guys are there for 10 years in the minors making $1,000 a month or whatever it is, riding buses, but it's what you love to do. So, yeah, I think that was the moment where I said, um, I'm going for it. And then there was a moment in West Palm Beach where I learned a great lesson from my boss down there where he had kind of, he had, he had some very strict rules about certain things that he wanted his anchors and on-air people to follow. And I wasn't following a couple of them. And, uh, he, you know, basically let it be known that he was going to let me go if, if, if I continue to do this. And it kind of woke me up that if a boss asks you to do something, you do it because like he's in charge and, and he holds your future in your, in his hands. And, uh, if I put myself in the place of him, if I was a boss and I told my employees, uh, I don't want you wearing shorts out in the field when you're representing the station, even though it's 95 degrees. Um, and, and if I saw, my employees wearing shorts out there. If I'm the boss, I, I'd probably take it as a sign of disrespect. And that's exactly one of the things that I did. I, he asked us not to wear shorts out in the field, even though it was like in the nineties, like this is ridiculous. I don't right. be comfortable. So I learned a great lesson there because I think if I, you know, you know, you're young and stupid right. and you're like, ah, I'll just go ahead and do, do what I want to do. Well, no, I mean like bosses, if you don't, if you don't do what they want to do, you're out. So I learned that lesson before coming home to Philadelphia, which is important. Um, recognizable face in Philly. Do you enjoy that? Like, I mean, do you get noticed and like recognized a lot or is it just kind of like you take it in stride and it's, it is what it is or, um, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm just, I'm a kid from Delco and like, I am blessed to do what I do. Like, I love my job. Uh, I don't want to be anywhere else. Like there's been right, You go to the gym and you're getting, you're getting guys that are saying, what's up? You know, you, is that annoying or no i mean no i mean a lot of times you're working out and then people be like so what do you think the phillies are going to do this year i'm like i don't know what do you think like i mean yeah i mean yeah i think they'll be decent but um yeah i mean it's all good uh 
I mean, you know, there's been once or twice, like somebody dumped a beer on me at a place. I don't know why, but, you know, once in a while. But, no, everybody's really cool, and, and I, I feel blessed to um, to cover the teams I grew up watching and stuff like that. So, um, you know, it's it's all good. I, I, I mean, I'm lucky. I'm real lucky. Um, next five to ten years, you're you're content, you're happy, you're here, you're just grinding away. I hope to be. Yeah. Um, you know, I've been. There's like been some overtures to go a couple other places, but I'm like Philadelphia is like the best place to live. You're close to the shore. Uh, I'm watching TV. You don't get earthquakes here. You don't get <laughs> mudslides and wildfires, hurricanes. Like I mean, sure. we're we live in a great spot. It doesn't get as cold as other places like Buffalo or. Cleveland or Boston or Minneapolis, you know, I mean, we live in an awesome place. So unless they fire me, uh, I'm probably going to be here. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Yeah, Thanks for having me, man. It's fun. John Clark, NBC Sports Philadelphia. Spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.